Lord's Day with us today, as uh, I'll be installed as the pastor here at First Presbyterian Church. I'm thankful that you could be uh, with us as we um, do a lot of liturgy today. You probably know the book that you received a bit heavier than our typical bulletin. We'll get through it um, with a blessing from God. I also want to let everybody know if you need to have uh, communion elements brought to you, uh, if you missed that coming in, um, if you can just kind of raise your hand so we get an idea if somebody needs that. Okay, and uh, and I'll get that uh, during probably during our first attempt. Okay, but I want to welcome you on here. Thank you so much for being a part of this special day in the life of First Presbyterian Church. Let's prepare our hearts to worship the living God.
As many of you as were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is one body and one spirit, just as we were called to the one hope of our calling. In his baptism, Mark was clothed with Christ and is now called by God through the voice of his church to enter into ministry as a teaching elder. We remember with joy our common calling to serve Christ, and we celebrate God's particular call to our brother, Reverend Mark Boyd. I invite you to stand as we go to our call worship. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And also with you. Proclaim with me the greatness of the Lord. Let us exalt the name of the Lord together. Come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout for joy to the rock of our salvation. Come, let us worship the triune God. Thank you. 
the ruins of Jerusalem. For the Lord has comforted his people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. The Lord has bared his holy arm before the eyes of all the nations, and all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God. The word of the Lord. Did that help? 
No. <laughs> what else can we do for me to help you find this? I know exactly where it is. Give us a clue. Give you a clue. Okay. Well, I just did. And you're talking about it. But that doesn't help. <laughs> Everything's red in here. My goodness. I mean, I could, we could do, I remember a game I used to play when I was younger. We used to play hot and cold. If you're getting oh, yeah. close, I would say hotter, hotter. And if you got further away, I'd say colder, colder. But if there's five of you, that doesn't work very well. Because you, you'll be all over and you won't know <laughs> hot or cold for who I'm talking to. Well, that might take a while. What would be the quickest way? I could kind of, what if I just pointed in that direction? Yeah. Think that would work? Yeah. Would that be the fastest way? Yeah. Point? Yeah. But you still might not know. But you'd at least know what direction, right? What's the quickest way? What if, since I know what it is, what if I led you there? What if I showed you the way? Would that work? Yes. All right.
Sometimes leader can make it hard on us. Like I remember what I did before. I said it's near something red. That wasn't helpful at all. Sometimes leaders can be just fantastic because they will take us by the hand and they will lead us to where we where we need to be. Let's say a prayer. Lord God, we thank you for good leaders, and we pray for the leadership of our new our new pastor, Mark. We ask that you bless him and guide him to be a good and wonderful leader in this congregation. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You ready to get candy? <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> You're welcome to have more. Oh All right. Don't be shy. Right. <laughs>
Brown, the epistle of Philippians, Paul writes these words. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interest, but also to the interest of others. Your attitude should be the same as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he made himself nothing. Being found in appearance as a man and being made in human likeness, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on the cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him a name that is above every name. That in the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and earth and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This is the word of the Lord. What a joy to be with you today. Uh, I am honored to stand here and, um, and to just share a few thoughts with you from the Word of God. I'm honored that Mark asked me to be a part of this day. I've known Mark for a long time. In fact, um, he grew up in a church that I pastored for many years, uh, back when he was a Baptist. <laughs> um, I guess I can take this off hand, but yeah, there we go. And um, I worked uh, alongside Mark in the supervised ministry uh, when he was in seminary, and um, and this kind of, we ended up on a flight together one time from Huntington uh, to D.C., I believe it was. I mean, just, you know, things, our paths have crossed in many ways. And I'm also glad to be here today to be with brothers and sisters that I get to work alongside with at uh, St. Mary's Medical Center uh, from different faiths um, and to be with people that are like-minded in Christ. And I want to talk just for a few minutes today. Mark told me I had 45 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> and then he said, no, I said four to five minutes. <laughs> um, so I'll go someplace in between. <laughs> About what it means to stand united as a church. You know, if you look back at church history, there was only one church in the beginning, right? I remember teaching a church history class at, at my congregation once and um, it was interesting as we walked through that journey together, and as I even studied that on my own at other points in my life, that, that we got to where we are today because of all these schisms and splits and differences of opinion and all these different things brought us to where we are today. And it's sometimes humbling to think that we all started out together. And I think church unity 
and working alongside other brothers and sisters in Christ. No matter what our denomination or what our, our, our calling, where we're called to, that we can work together as, a, as believers in Jesus Christ. I believe that one of the greatest callings of the church is that we might understand our call to unity. And the sad part of it is I got to thinking about my own experience, and I've had many years in the congregation, in a congregation. I, I find that sometimes that in the midst of calling and this experience in the church as a pastor, I would spend more time on trying to bring people together and unify around an issue than I would just kind of doing what we needed to do together. And that's a sad commentary that we have to do that in many ways. Paul had had that experience in his ministry as well to the church of the major minor. In fact, as he writes to the church at Philippi, he had been with them before and he knew them. And so he's writing again to them. Verse 27 uh, in chapter 1 says this, Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then, whether I come or see you, or come to see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, contending as one person, you might say, in the name and the faith of the gospel without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. This will be a sign to them that, that, they will not be that they will not be destroyed and that you will be saved and that, and that by God. Clearly, we as the church should be held to the same standard that Paul was writing to the church of Philippi and as to the, the, the original church that we know in Scripture. Our work is great in this community and beyond, and we have a duty, I believe, a calling to live in a way that shows this community and to show that shows others love and unity that is found in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Sadly, many people only see the church that has been damaged. They only hear of church splits and churches fighting and disputes splitting over a single issue at times. And all the while damaging the reputation of the church and the ministry in the name of Jesus Christ. We have a high calling as we serve in the church. A calling to unity. And that's what Paul is talking about here in these verses. Let's consider what he says. If you have, if you have any encouragement in Christ, he's talking about. He's been he based his his uh, statements here on what he said earlier. That I want you to understand that you need to be unified and working as one, so that others around you will be able to see the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So he says, if. There's a statement of ifs here, a series of ifs, which I think speaks to these current realities that we have um, as, uh, as a church. These, these unifying life principles for the church in all that they entail. If we have any encouragement from being united with Christ. Encouragement. And this word in the Greek 
is used in the, is the same word is used when Jesus himself talked about the Holy Spirit, the counselor, the comforter that would come. The one who would guide them and be with them and encourage them and exhort them and move them on into the world that they were headed into. And since every believer has received this work of the Spirit, Paul used this as a basis and appeal to their own spiritual unity. If there is any comfort from his love, Paul writes. God's love in people's hearts produces a spiritual unity in their lives. We have compassion and care and love toward one another. A consoling love which the Lord grants to all of us, um, to, um, to all of us as unworthy sinners in the grace of salvation is one that we can all we've all experienced. Listen to what Paul writes in to the church in Rome when he said these verses in, in chapter 5, verse 5. He said, And hope does not disappoint us, because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit that we have given. Paul's going back again to another message he talked about that this comfort, this unity, this encouragement that has been poured into us by the Holy Spirit is something that we can use to stand together and unite. If there is any fellowship with the Spirit, fellowship comes from the Spirit of God, that word koinonia, that says we're together, we're standing together, we're working together, we're fellowshipping together. Just as encouragement comes from Christ, fellowship comes from the Holy Spirit. Fellowship is intimate because every believer is a temple of the Holy Spirit. And we can stand together and work together, unified for a common cause and purpose. If there's any tenderness and compassion. One of the Spirit's ministries is to produce within each believer a concern and love for members of God's family. This may be received or rejected by believers. And it is all the time. But the work of the Holy Spirit is a reality, and it is based on our spiritual unity. And we come together to express tenderness and compassion and love to those around us. It takes their eyes, I hope that it takes their eyes off of maybe our own erring ways and our own sinful ways. These qualities characterize Christ is as well. These qualities that, that the Apostle Paul gives to us and calls us to, and these, these, um, these entities that he calls us to, he exhorts us to stand in practical ways that we might stand for Christ. And he says this in verse, um, in verse 4, which I think sums up all of those things he's been saying. Is do nothing to be like-minded Verse 2, I'm sorry. Being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. He gives us four things, four things that we can hold on to. Being like-minded, being the same in love, being one in spirit, and being one in purpose. Next, Paul goes to the negative. I like that we started with the positive here, not the negative, because there are times that he starts with the negative. You shouldn't be doing this, but do this. But here he lays out, this is what you need to do. But by the way, don't let these things creep in. And he kind of undergirds, 
he undergirds this, this understanding that if we choose to, we can allow the Spirit to unify us and work through us, that if these things creep in, it's going to cause some trouble. Selfish ambition and vain conceit. The person who persistently seeks personal advantage and gain in a situation, regardless of the effects, how it affects other people. It's often used in the unfair pursuit and self-serving preservation for a position or for power or for just your way. Vain conceit can be seen as empty glory. Not desiring to do anything of, for personal prestige and not being concerned more about yourself than you are others. Those are the things that Paul says will, will wreck unity in the church. Any quarrels and divisions in the church concerning programs or policies that may be equally biblical and important sometimes can tear churches apart. Problems arise, though, I think when people seek to promote their own ministry priorities, their own, um, their own thoughts, their own beliefs, at the expense of others. Some are more concerned about youth ministry, and others are more concerned about adult ministry. Others are uh, view personal evangelism as a high priority, or, or making others say, well, Bible study should be more important so that we're strengthened for evangelism. The possibilities of conflict are almost endless in the church, and division can be destructive. So what do we need? I think very clearly, Paul lays it out. Verse 5. And this is one of those statements that gets us, right? Your attitude should be the same as Christ Jesus. Let me say that again. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. That's a loaded statement. And he goes on to speak this, what's known as the Christ hymn. To exalt the Savior and all that the Savior stood for and all that the Savior did. But it's written not just to exalt Christ, it's written to guide us that we might exalt Christ. That we would not consider personal gain You know, we just we just celebrated in the most beautiful expression of God's love for us in Holy Week, didn't we? I mean, a Savior who came triumphantly into, into Jerusalem, who was then turned over by his own people to the leaders of the church who thought they knew better. Jesus had an opportunity to step away, didn't he? But in the garden, he said that he would give up his life. That that's what he came to. This wasn't about his personal gain. This was God in flesh who came down to earth to be with us. And 
and his purpose here was that he might offer his life for us. He struggled because he said, Lord, let this cup pass. But if not, I can't yield myself. He struggled with that. He was human. He had to struggle. He was a servant. He worked and lived with humility. And Jesus did everything to the glory of God. I love the end of this hymn. The therefore, because we live in humility, because we live without a need for personal gain when it comes to the church, because we live as a servant, Therefore, God exalted Christ to the highest place. And we then exalt Christ to the highest place. And we allow Christ to lead us and to guide us and to be exalted in our work as a church and as a community and as believers in Jesus Christ in a greater community of the church. What a joy that can be. Has it ever occurred to you that 100 pianos all tuned to the same pitchfork are automatically tuned to each other? You've never seen a pitchfork that doesn't look like a fork, it looks like a huge real But if every piano is tuned to that, then they can all be played in concert and be beautifully tuned together. But if just one of them or two of them decided, hey, I'm going to use my own pitchfork this time, and it's a little off from the others, there's going to be some dissonance. And it's not going to be. So too in the church. Must we be all tuned by Jesus Christ? To Jesus Christ. With Jesus Christ. In everything that we do. And in that, I believe God will be glorified. Mark's installation as your pastor, your shepherd, is a wonderful season in the life of this church. It's had a lot of history standing on this corner. This is a new season. But it's not the end. This is the beginning. This is the beginning of a beautiful relationship between shepherd and sheep, between pastor and congregation, that you together can listen to the voice of God, that together you can work alongside each other, not pursuing your own interests, but the interests of Christ in the interests of God in this community. Let me tell you now that if you just put aside selfish ambition and vain conceit and your personal interests, which will only lead to stress and frustration, you can have a joyous ministry together in Christ. And God will you as you work together for His glory.
do you trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, your Savior? <clears throat> Acknowledge him Lord of all and head of the church, and through him believe in one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Do you? I do. Do you accept the scriptures of the Old and New Testament to be by the Holy Spirit, the unique and authoritative witness to Jesus Christ and the Church Universal, and God's Word to you? Do you? I do. Do you sincerely receive and adopt the essential tenets of the Reformed faith as expressed in the confessions of our Church as authentic and reliable expositions of what Scripture leads us to believe and do? And will you be instructed and led by those confessions as you lead the people of God? Do you and will you? I do and I will. Will you fulfill your ministry in obedience to Jesus Christ under the authority of Scripture and be continually guided by our confessions? Will you? I will. Will you be governed by our church's polity and will you abide by its discipline? Will you be a friend among your colleagues in ministry, working with them, subject to the ordering of God's Word and Spirit? Will you? I will. Will you, in your own life, seek to follow the Lord Jesus Christ, love your neighbors, and work for the reconciliation of the world? Will you? I will. Do you promise to further the peace, unity, and purity of the Church? Do you? I do. Will you be a faithful teaching elder, proclaiming the good news in word and sacrament, teaching faith and caring for people? Will you be active in government and discipline, serving in the councils of the church? And in your ministry, will you try to show the love and justice of Jesus Christ? Will you? I will. And now, members of First Presbyterian Church of St. Albans, do we accept Reverend Mark Boyd as our pastor, chosen by God through the voice of this congregation, to guide us in the ways of Jesus Christ? Amen. Do we agree to pray for him, encourage him, to respect his decisions, and to follow as he guides us, serving Jesus Christ, who alone is head of the church? Amen. Do we promise to pay him fairly and provide for his welfare as he works among us to stand by him in trouble and share his joy? Will we listen to the word he preaches, welcome his pastoral care, and honor his authority as he seeks to honor and obey Jesus Christ, our Lord? The Lord be with you. Let us give thanks to our Lord, Lord our God. It is right to give our thanks and praise. Let us pray. Gracious and eternal God, with joy we give you all thanks and praise. Throughout the ages, you have been faithful to your covenant people, whom you have called out of bondage and redeemed to be your own. In every time and place, you have chosen servants from among your people to point the way to salvation. We are grateful for ancestors in the faith who followed without fear, placing their trust in you alone. We give you thanks for judges and monarchs who ruled in righteousness and peace. We praise you for prophets and apostles who spoke your bold words of mercy, truth. 
We thank you for pastors and teachers who nurture your people in faith and faithfulness. Above all, we praise you for Jesus Christ, who came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life to set others free. Appointed by your Holy Spirit, he proclaimed your reign on earth, revealing your saving love in all he said and did. Join us. Gracious God, pour out your Spirit upon your servant Mark, whom you called by baptism as your own. Grant him the same mind that was in Christ Jesus. Give him a spirit of truthfulness, rightly to proclaim your word in Christ from the pulpit, table, and font, and in the words and actions of daily living. Give him the gifts of the Holy Spirit to build up the church, to strengthen the common life of your people, and to lead with compassion and vision. In the walk of faith and for the work of ministry, give to your servant Mark, and to all who serve as pastors among your people, gladness and strength, discipline and hope, humility, humor and courage, and the abiding sense of your presence. Gracious God, pour out your spirit of power and truth upon the whole church, that we may be for you a holy people, baptized to serve you in the world. Sustain the this congregation in ministry, ground them in the gospel, secure their hope in Christ, strengthen their service to the outcast, and increase their love for one another. Show them the transforming power of your grace in their life together, and that they may be effective servants of the gospel, offering a compelling witness in the world to the good news of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Mark, it is my pleasure to tell you that you are now installed as a teaching elder in this church, the First Presbyterian Church of St. Paul. Be faithful and true in your ministry, so that your whole life will bear witness to the crucified and risen Christ. Amen. I welcome you to this new era in your in your life and in your ministry. And I think it would be appropriate for us all to welcome with a applause. <laughs> Let me hear these words from the Gospel of Matthew. Jesus came to them and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. Mark, it is my pleasure to charge you as you become installed to serve the saints of St. Albans Presbyterian Church. As a pastor, you really only have one job, to help people meet and then follow Jesus Christ. It may be one job, but it is one thing 
on all your other tasks stand. The one thing on which all your other tasks stand. My friends, stay tethered to the gospel and allow that to lead your ministry. Friends, it is a tall task. Just one job, but a tall task. It will break your heart. But it will also uplift you. And it will energize you. Energy is necessary for this work. You know this already. And my goodness, you are one of the most driven people I know. Who takes on a church during a CPE residency? Yeah, I have no idea. Yeah, that's hard. It is vulnerable work. And you continue to be driven. And you continue to be vulnerable. But may you also uphold the boundaries necessary in serving God's people. May you rest. May you rest. May you rest. And may your rest and rejuvenation be a priority that you can continue your important work. You are not new to church ministry. My goodness, you served in some of the craziest presbyteries, God bless you. You know what it all entails, this work. The work will be there. We want you to be there too. So take the time to rest and be with your family. The work will be there. Friend, I am so excited to have been a part of this to be with work colleagues on a Sunday afternoon. They, they might not be so excited, but I'm not <laughs> that Presbyterian nerd with my red heels and everything. So I know that you will also know that although you are the solo pastor here, you are not alone. You have very many colleagues within this ministry call upon us. God bless you, Mark. Thank you for this opportunity. Now to the rest of you. Reading from the first epistle of Peter. Above all, maintain constant love for one another, for love covers a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without complaining. Like good stewards of the manifold grace of God, serve one another with whatever gift each of you has received. Whoever speaks must do so as one speaking the very words of God. Whoever serves must do with that strength, do so with the strength that God supplies. So that God may be glorified in all things through Jesus Christ. To him belong the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Amen.
just going to be the last page of the bulletin or handout or whatever call this. It, it talks about the ministers of this church being every member of the congregation. Mark is not in this solo. He's in this with you. As your leader, your guide, your teacher, your mentor, your friend, the big brother. I'm reminded of the ending of 1 Corinthians 13, where Paul talks about though now abide faith, hope, and love. That's what a pastoral relationship is all about. You, by calling Mark to be the pastor of this church, have affirmed the fact that you have faith in him to lead you where you think you need to go, where you want to go. And there will be times when you question but you have to remember that faith and have the faith that, hey, Mark knows what he's doing. We knew that when we called him. We know that now. Even though we may not be totally in unity, we have faith that Mark has our best interest in mind. This hope, the hope that Mark will leave you into a new place, into a better place. It may not be comfortable because it may be new. It may be something a little bit different than what you're used to. But this church isn't where it was 20 years ago and isn't where it will be 20 years from now. Hope comes from knowing that God is behind it, that God sent Mark into this church to guide it into the future, wherever God wants it to go. And then there's love. It holds the whole thing together. John said that God is love. Jesus said, if you Love me, you will keep my commandments. You've already heard that the greatest commandment is that we should love God with our whole hearts and to love our neighbor as ourselves. Your love for Mark, Mark's love for you, is what's going to hold all this together. Even during the rough times, even the, through the times when Things may be questionable and a little itchy and irritated. Remember, Mark loves you. Mark wouldn't be here if he didn't. And love him back because he is worthy of that. As part of our worship, we will collect an offering, but we don't pass that during times of the global pandemic. We won't uh, spread that plate around. But if you are so moved today to return a portion of the gifts that the Lord has given to you, 
to the church. I think today is offering, if I'm not mistaken, just to the Presbyterian, right? Is that correct? My Presbyterian boss is right there. So, uh, so today's offering will go to the Western Presbyterian Clothing Ministry at that. But let's meditate on what it means for God to have called us to bring our gifts to Him for our offertory. so much for the many gifts and blessings that you have given to us in this life. Lord, as we return a portion of them to you now, we ask that you would continue the ministry of the West Virginia Presbytery, guiding us and leading us to where you would have us be. All this we ask in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. come to the table that is set before us. This is not our table. This is the Lord's table. And to that end, I've invited my brother Jamie to be with me, a minister in the Disciples of Christ Church, to show the ecumenism of being able to be part of the body of Christ. All of us who have been baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are welcome to participate in this fruit and gift that God has given to us. So let us now pray together the prayer of great thanksgiving. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them to the Lord. 
It is right to give oops, wrong, wrong thing. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give thanks to the It is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. Therefore we praise you, joining our voices with angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven who forever sing this hymn, proclaim the glory of your name. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and earth, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Holy and gracious Father, in your infinite love you made us for yourself. When we have fallen into sin and become subject to evil and death, you and your mercy sent Jesus Christ, your only Son, to share our human nature, to live and die as one of us, to reconcile us to you, the God and Father of all. He stretched out his arms upon the cross and offered him himself in obedience to your will a perfect sacrifice for the whole world. On the night that he was handed over to suffering and death, the Lord Jesus took bread. When he had given thanks to you, he broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And after supper, he took the cup of wine. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them and said, Drink this, all of you. This is the blood of a new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink it, do this in remembrance of me. Therefore, we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ has risen. Christ will come again. We celebrate this memorial of our redemptional Father and his sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving. Recalling his death, resurrection, and ascension, we offer you these gifts. Sanctify them by your Holy Spirit to be for your people the body and blood of your Son, the holy food and drink of new and unending life in Him. And sanctify us also that we may faithfully receive this holy sacrament and serve you in unity, constancy, and peace. And at the last day, bring us with all of your saints into the joy of your eternal kingdom. All this we ask for your Son, Jesus Christ. By Him, and with Him, and in Him, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Amen. And now, as our Savior taught us, we are bold to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, we do forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, the gifts of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. May commune at any time.
Holy God, we thank you for this, your sacrament, your grace imparted to us, this sweet foretaste of your glory to come. I thank you, Lord, for the sacrifice that you made, a sacrifice none of us can comprehend, but one which all of us are thankful that you decided to do. We ask God that this would be something that nurtures not only our soul, but also invigorates us to go into the world, proclaiming your love to those who need to hear it. We ask all these things in the name of your Son. Amen. Please stand for our final hand. Be thou my brother.
think it's awesome that we have red carpet. Uh, my wife and I don't always see the eye on red, eye, eye on red carpet, but what I want us to think about today is my friend said, hey, do we get to wear red to your installation? I said, absolutely. Because it's a representation of what happens and what happened at Pentecost that the disciples were sent out into the world. That's our job every Sunday is to walk on this red carpet and go into the world. My hope and my prayer for all of us in the ministry that we're about to undertake is that we constantly are reminded of God's Spirit being with us and God's Spirit sending us into this world. Now receive the blessing of the triune God, the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. May you with us all until we meet again, either in this place or in this kingdom come. Amen.